Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonny Statman, and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Schutt-Guzman. Today, we thought we would continue the conversation really about racism, white privilege, business, activism. This is such a, an important topic right now, and we feel like we, we just can't stay silent about it. We need to talk about it. And we thought it would be really good to kind of explore how we move from kind of performative you know, activism. So, you know, you can see a lot of that right now in the world where people are kind of performing their activism. How do we really turn that into long, sustainable change in our business? And so that's what we kind of want to explore. What do you think, Laura? Yes, I think it's so important that we just continue to have the conversations. And I know in a lot of my entrepreneurial circles and in my personal friend circles, there's been, you know, just different feelings of, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing or um, for the black community saying, I'm so tired of like my white friends asking me questions and expect me to, to educate them. So all sorts of different voices. Um, but I think it's so important that we talk about it. And the other thing I've, that I've noticed is the amount of emails. And this is something um, that I have heard from the black community and my co-working community is that, you know, the the number of corporations that are taking a stand and their question back to them is, what does that mean that you have a Black Lives Matter email? That feels very performative. You know, we want to know, is it genuine? Like, how does that change your hiring practices? How does that change your examination of your unconscious bias? You know, how is this actually going to change things? And I think as entrepreneurs, even if you're a solopreneur and you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not running a big corporate business, um, but you are a human being that's capable of creating individual change within yourself and therefore in the world. So I think it's important, even if it's messy and if we say the wrong things, I think that we just ask for forgiveness right now um, for anything that we might say that, that may offend because we are in the process of learning. And I'm just really trying to humble myself and do a lot of listening right now. Yeah. And I think that's where both Laura and I are is really, we are leaders. We do have this leadership platform. We do want to talk about the conversation, but in no way am I an expert on these topics. I am in the baby stages of learning. I am listening. I am going to make a huge amount of mistakes. I'm probably going to say the wrong things, you know, and, and we just want to preface that, you know, but we do want to share with you some of the things that we've learned or some of the things that we've heard or some of the things that, you know, we've noticed inside of ourselves. And I think, you know, over the last few weeks, what I've seen is a lot of white business owners feeling very pressured to make a statement, right? You know, so that's their own stuff, right? So we're not in any way blaming the Black Lives Matter movement because that's not on them. It's, you know, this pressure feeling that they have to speak up right away, that they have to, you know, send an email, that they have to show that they're in solidarity. And I think that a lot of people are rushing to those statements without doing the internal work, without really looking at A, have they owned their own white privilege? Have they owned their own racism? And then 
After that, have they looked at how they're going to make systemic changes in their business or systemic changes in the way they operate or systemic changes in the way that they use their money? Like, you know, are they going to actually make those changes before they just come out with that sort of performative email or that performative statement or that performative post? You know, because really what we're talking about here is making sustainable change. And this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. We are not going to change things overnight. This is systemic issues that go back 400 years. Like we have a lot to own. We have a lot to shift. We have a lot to change. There's a lot of trauma to be healed. And that's going to be done through a lot of action. And so I think as business owners, as leaders, we do need to step back and make sure we're doing it in the right order, that we're doing it out of real change inside of ourselves, real commitment to change in our actions. And if we're doing it from that place, we're going to make some sustainable change. Absolutely. And I recently did attend a webinar that was hosted on this exact topic of, you know, how do we talk? How do we have conversations? How do we connect around racial tensions right now? How do we how do we explore this? And from a perspective of helping as a white allyship, there were three suggestions that were shared that I think I'm going to, uh, th- that I think are very relevant and I'm going to continue to use for my own guidance. And so one of the very first thing is really acknowledging our privilege. And I know that we've talked about our own white privilege um, in the past on this podcast. You've talked about it recently in your own. And we probably just need to be talking about it a lot more because yeah. there, there is all these, you know, five years ago, Black Lives Matter, there was this little bit of like, oh, let's talk about white privilege. And then because we have the privilege to engage or not engage, a lot of white people just go back to as things as normal, you know, and there's like a naming of it. And then you just kind of go back and but you still benefit from your privilege. And that's convenient. And it's comfortable. And so you don't have to spend time in the, the racial tension, you just go back into your comfy world. And this is a wake up call right now that as a white person, it's not just acknowledging your white privilege, but it's really examining it. And the second thing that they said was then own your education around white privilege, which means that you don't expect a black person to do the emotional labor for you to educate you. There are so many resources right now online and you need to go to Google even and just search white allyship or how to be anti-racist. I mean, there's so many and you're going to see toolboxes of information and resources. And, you know, I had um, a recommendation. I was also because I have been joining a lot of these conversations. um, I was also on a call with um, an African-American therapist that was talking about being clinically aware as a therapist. And he said, get supervision, hire an African-American clinician and pay them. Don't go pick their brain, pay them for consulting, pay them to supervise you. If you really want to go deeper in that acknowledgement. So what I say is like own your education around it. And then the third one was take action. So as a white ally, that's what we're talking about today too, is How do you go from just that take action? I send an email. Yay for me. Black Lives Matter. Hashtag I did my black square. How do we move beyond the black square and really be an ally and really get uncomfortable and and create genuine change in our organization to possibly work and do your business in a way that you weren't doing it before? Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. And let's break those down, right? I think because there's so much to talk about in each one of those things, you know, and one of the things that I've seen is that so many people, yeah, they've just gone to the action, you know, and partly because they want to be seen as good. You know, and this is one of the, you know, the, I've seen a lot, I've read a lot last week from black women talking about the good white women, right? The good white women that are the progressives, that are the people who don't see color, who are the people who are like, I've done my good, I've done my good, see all the good I've done? You know, and so we really have to own when we fall into that identity, when we fall into that sort of trap of thinking we've taken an action, that's enough. We've we've done something. We've even a week of being muted, you know, like that's great. That's what I did last week. That was one way for me to show my solidarity, for me to to really sort of humble myself to to not be out in the world on social media and to give that, you know, amplify black voices. But that's not enough, right? And I think what we have to recognize is that first piece is so important. If we are not examining our white privilege, if we are not recognizing what we have contributed to this racist system that we have, well, if we have not seen in all the ways that we have been part of it, we can't make real change. Like that is the real work. That's the important work. And that's not something you're gonna do in a day or a week, it's, you know, a long journey for us to be able to really examine it. I mean, I know last week I did a lot of meditation, which I talked about in last week's podcast. I did a lot of kind of going inside myself to to spend a lot of time examining it. And like I barely touched the surface, right? It's like that tip of the iceberg of what I have seen, of what I understand about myself, of the experiences that I've had. And so this is really a journey we have to commit to for the long term. You know, how are we going to keep examining our privilege? And that privilege comes in many forms, right? Right now, the topic and the priority and the thing we're looking at is Black Lives Matters. But there is a lot of other privilege as well that we will have to examine. Our privilege in terms of, of the way that we identify by gender, right? That is a privilege. As long as we fit in to that, you know, what is what is deemed normal normal, what is deemed okay, then we've got a privilege or that privilege, whether you're a man or a woman. So there's like the gender privilege of, you know, men have more privilege than women, you know, men and women have more privilege than those who are say non-binary. So, you know, we've got all these different sort of privileges that we have to examine. This is long and deep work. And I think it has to be a commitment and consistency to looking at ourselves. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because I recognize what, like what you were saying, the white fragility and that white shame and guilt, Mm -hmm. sometimes it can keep us silent. And so I, even though I have examined that previously, I've been re-examining this last week because I was feeling like, oh, I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. I mean, I'm still afraid to say the wrong thing. And if I give into that though, without examining it, there's a little bit of, wow, that's, you're still afraid to not be the good white girl. You know, you're still afraid to not be the ally because you want to be the liberal white woman, you know? And, and so even like having this conversation right now with you, I am committed to just letting myself process right here and now. And I think that as a therapist, I definitely got started on examining my whiteness early on because I was in a room with a lot of, like in Los Angeles, it was African-American 
women and children that were in the system, that were in the foster care system that looked to me um, for their, whether I was going to write a good note or a bad note. Like I had the power there and they knew that, you know, here you are the white therapist and the judge is going to listen to you. So back in the day, I really, I was asked to examine that really early on, but it's interesting how I've had to re-examine it over and over. And so there are some people that go, oh, I did that in grad school. I went to that diversity training at my corporate headquarters, you know? And even though I started this work when I was 20 years old, I am still doing this work. And I still have to think, am I showing up in my work? Or am I showing up as a therapist aware of the power seat that I inhabit? And do I understand how that power differential plays out in this relationship? And am I willing to let go of the power in order to share it and not use it over? Because I benefit from using that white privilege. There's benefits to the way I live. And it's going to mean that I have to get uncomfortable and I have to shift into a different and new dynamic, which for me in a lot of ways in a site in a, with a client that feels really good, but for other areas, there may be more discomfort. You know, there may be like, oh, I don't want to let go of that that comes with my socioeconomic white educated privilege. I'm glad my resume is at the top. I'm glad that I'm, you know, at the top of that hiring committee, you know, and it's that's really hard for white people to realize that it's, it's not just because you're smart and educated. It's because of the color of your skin that you might have an advantage over your black peer. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, not only do we have to examine our own white privilege, we have to examine what we're doing in our businesses. Like that's something else I really took to the mat last week. Like how many black clients do I have? One? Like how many, you know, how many businesses, like services and things that I purchase, how many of those do I purchase from black businesses? right? Or how, or am I still just kind of feeding the white privilege, right? This is one of those things I've really had to examine in myself. And, you know, it was one of those things my husband and I had a conversation about is he's kind of my, my advisory panel. And, you know, we had to look at how do we create more of diversity in the business, right? I have a, you know, I have a small business. I run it slim because I want to. I've got contractors though. And so, you know, one of the commitments I'm making is my next contractor will be a woman of color, either, you know, a black woman or a Latina woman or somebody who is, you know, in that level of diversity because I want to contribute, you know, because I can't just keep sort of holding on to all of this white privilege, right? And this is the thing is that white privilege feeds itself. And so we we don't always examine where does our purchasing power go? Are we still feeding all the white people, right? Which we do, like we Amazon, right? I mean, you know, like, so, you know, uh, that's something that I've just started to examine and it's like, I'm in the baby stages, but you know, the littlest things. And so I've started to collect and a lot of people are doing great lists right now of black businesses that are local for you so that you can support them. And so now every time I need something, like I needed a few books last week and I was like, okay, I'm going to find a black bookstore, you know, a bookstore that's owned by a black woman, like 
ideal, right? Amazing. And I'm going to buy books from there. That's just one tiny, tiny little step. But we can have more clarity and we can have more discernment at where we put our money and what we contribute to. Are we lifting the black community up or are we continuing just to perpetuate the wonderful white community? And I think this is the kind of actions we have to look in terms of that systemic, long-term sustainable change. Am I creating diversity in my business? Am I open? Like if I don't have many black clients. Why is that? Is it that I'm not resonating with them? Is it that I'm not serving them? Is it that I'm not cost effective for them? Is it that I'm just not talking to them? Am I staying within kind of my my white language? Like, and so these are all the questions we have to. And I don't have all the answers. Believe me, this is just what I'm examining in my own self and my own business. But I think as business owners, this is what we have to look at. Yes, actually. It makes, and this is that performative versus genuine, that list making. So a lot of people are out there generating lists of this is, you know, the top 10 black owned co-working spaces, for example, in our, in my industry of co-working. And that is great that we're bringing visibility, but where it goes performative is that you put that list together and you put it on your website and you pat yourself on the back. Look at me. I just amplified some black voices by putting up a blog post. But the genuine piece is that you actually make them your vendors, that you're shopping from them, that you're continuingly to shop from, they're recommending their business to other people. And so it moves from just that one act of look how good I did. And I saw this uh, tweet, it was hilarious. It's like, guess what? You can do good even if you don't post it on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the real work, right? Like, you know, I always say that the most successful women in business are the ones you never see. They're the ones that- It's so true. That they're just doing their work. They're just doing their thing. Well, this is the same. This is not about us performing and being good girls. And, you know, this is not what it's about. It literally is about us doing the internal work, doing the behind the scenes work. doing the work where we don't get credit. And I actually think that's really important. If you're not doing any work without giving yourself credit, without publicizing it, without telling everybody how good you are, then I think you're not really doing the work. That is performative. And so that's something we can ask all of ourselves. Am I doing the work inside of myself? Am I doing the work behind the scenes or am I just looking for extra credit? And, you know, it's a powerful question to ask. Well, and to illustrate that point, I was on a call and there was a question about um, the person asked the black panelists, and I'm assuming this person is white. They said, how is it, how can I make my website more appealing to a black customer or client? How can I, yeah, how can I make, you know, more my website more appealing? And I loved her answer, the one of the black panelists. She's just like, first of all, you're not. You're not going to do that because that's not the question. The question is, and she goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, nope. You haven't even done the internal work to ask the right question. So let me just back that up. She's like, you need to do some internal work because if you actually are doing work on inclusivity, then your website will naturally reflect that. You don't go and change your photos and change your language to look like something that you are not embodying, that you have not learned to do. And I thought, oh, my God, that's such an illustration of and I'm sure it was a well-meaning white person going, oh, I just want this to look more welcoming. I was like, no. And how many of us haven't thought? I mean, let's be honest, right? Like how many of us haven't thought about it? Oh, I need to have more diverse stock imagery 
right? Like right. we've thought about it. I know. We well, thought we about were looking for, we were we were looking for it back in the day, which is actually awesome that you can find it now. Back in 2008, that was and see that was a wake up call for a white person. That's our privilege right there that we're like, wow, you look for our stock photos, you can't find black people in them. You That's can't right. find especially can't find black people doing yoga or doing wellness. And so, you know, well now you can, but then what does that say? Like even in the last week, it's so interesting. Like, uh, so Canva is a good example, right? Canva has all their free photos that you can get right, when right, you have right. a subscription, right? And so, like, you'll—I I always put in like, you know, working women are women happier, you know, whatever I'm looking yeah. for for my different things. And normally, it's mostly white people, but all of a sudden, it's like all black people. Are you look on the TV, right? All of a sudden, all these ads that I've seen a million times that had white people in it. Now the ads have black people. The same, you know, idea, the same concept, the same music, but now it's all black people. And you think performative, right? That's performative. Because if they haven't changed their hiring practices, that's right. If they haven't examined their own unconscious implicit biases, then they're that's performative. Now they can make a genuine change, but is that going to, and how do we measure that genuine? It means that there are actions beyond getting credit, you know, for looking liberal, looking progressive, looking awoke you know, looking that, you know, and, and, oh, and that's another appropriation. Like white people don't use language that is not your language. Okay. There is language within the black community that's from their lived and shared experience and don't use it. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. why dear white people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, you know, we're all in this trying to navigate it. So, so I think we've kind of covered the examining yourself, examining your business. I think, you know, talking again about the education piece is really important. And I heard someone talking about that today at a group, just her vulnerability of how she is so exhausted by all of the white people coming to her and asking her for what they should do, how what they should say, how they should act, how they can be more inclusive, or being asked to be the person on a panel because she's the only black person they know. Like, this is what I'm hearing in the black community and you know and this is I mean it's such a it's such a like automatic response sometimes right so last week even when I was contemplating my solo podcast before I decided it was solo I thought Ooh, what can I do how can I contribute to Black Lives Matter with a podcast Laura and I could talk oh maybe I should call upon a black woman I know and bring her onto the show and then I thought that's asking someone to do the work for me, right? It's allowing me not to have to be vulnerable, not to make a mistake, not to have to, you know, put myself out there. Instead, I'm just going to get someone to come on and talk about, you know, on my show. And so that really woke me up to that part of myself that's so automatic. I'll, I'll just find someone who knows what they're talking about, you know, rather than I'll do the work, I'll take the risk, you know, I'll mess it up. And that's what I have to do. And, and that's the kind of thing we're talking about is you can't all of a sudden go to someone and be like, here's the burden. You teach me how to help you. You teach me how to be a kinder person. You teach me how to be more inclusive. We've got to learn that work. And like Laura said earlier, there's literally so many books out. There's so many documentaries. There's so many, there's like books you can get for free. Like how to be an anti-racist is for free right now, I think on Spotify and, um, or maybe it's YouTube. I can't remember, but there's somewhere that you can just listen to that book for free. And, um, like I just purchased the book, me and white privilege, because yes, that is that a good book really for good. examining 
yeah. ourselves, like doing the work inside ourselves to really look at our white privilege. So there is some amazing books out there that you can read and there's some amazing people you can listen to and like literally you could just be on social media, follow a bunch of amazing black people. You will hear the things you need to hear. You will wake up to some of the things that you need to do. It's being open to listening, but it's not asking them to carry the burden for us. That's our job that we have failed to do for 400 years. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I'm going to speak to one other thing that I've seen white people doing that I think you need to be really careful of like asking yourself why you're doing it. So some of those that identify as being like, I'm an ally, they're calling out other white people's racism. And then it's very much like, I'm the good white girl, see? And then you're the bad white person. And they do it publicly. I know. And I don't think that's genuine. I think that's performative. And I think that if you really see another person, especially another white person, and I've done a post where I was like, white person, a white person. And the guy was like, why why are you talking color to me? And I was like, well, because that's our racial identity. And I have a shared experience with you. So we're going to talk about this. And, you know, the ability to talk to someone personally to say, I'm concerned about that email that you sent to our community. I understood you were coming from a good place, but it seems like you weren't really aware of your privilege. And um, I think that that could be offensive. Can you can we have a conversation and educate each other? So white people can be calling each other in and call each other in to educate and have these conversations. And then you're becoming two greater allies and you're not making it who's the better ally. That is so performative. Yes. And I am seeing this everywhere. I'm seeing this in Facebook groups. I'm seeing this in so many places. And it is that like we need to check ourselves because are we doing it to be the good white girl or, you know, are we doing it to really support, to really serve, to really educate, to really change. And, you know, As allies and as white people, we have this great bridge in a way, right? To be able to connect with other white people and educate and share. So again, the burden does not have to be on those that are black. It is on us. And so we can take that responsibility to educate and share with other white people, to call them out if they're doing something racist, of course, to show like, hey, this is what you know I've seen. This is what I've learned. This is what I've just come to understand. But doing it publicly and doing it performatively is not okay. That is not in any way serving Black Lives Matter. That is not serving the change and so yeah I think that is something we just have to be really careful about and aware of you know are we actually contributing to change and you guys this is really comes back down to intention like have we sat and and this is the other thing I talked a little bit about last week is that you know it's not about sitting in our shame it is about integrating our shame it is about owning what we've done. It is not about spiraling into shame that creates paralysis, that creates we do no action, we do no change, we or we sit and we just lose all momentum. And I've, you know, been work like working with that in myself and definitely working with that in some of my clients. Like it is that we have to integrate and keep moving through whatever we're experiencing and whatever we're feeling. So if we feel shame, awesome. We need to integrate that. We need to own where that comes from. We need to feel it. We need to work through it. But it's not about sitting in a shame spiral, but, you know, it is really about us, you know, making change that's sustainable. It's having an intention 
to make change, not an intention to perform, an intention to look good, an intention to not offend anyone. And see, that's the that's the piece. So many women in general, and we've talked about this a million times on the podcast, we overown, we're afraid to stand out, we don't want anyone judging us. And so then you have all these people who are rushing to perform so they don't get judged. But that is not in service to this mission. That is not in service to this change. So we all need to step back and really look at, do we have an intention to create long-term sustainable change? Yes, I love that. And it really you know, comes back to those three things I think are guiding principles that we started this conversation with um, as far as your business goes is before you start writing that email, before you start doing all your social media hashtag Black Lives Matter, I want you to think for a minute, what are the privileges that you hold? And if you are not a white person listening to this and you're another person of color, um, you're also struggling with the fact that your stories haven't been told in this narrative. This is the, the dominant narrative right now is because something recent has happened to a black member of our community. This is what we're talking about. But we all have to sit and say, how have I benefited from white supremacy? How am I benefiting from a racist society? And how is my business benefiting? You know, only 2% of African-American owned businesses in the United States received PPE because they do not have employees. They're small businesses, you know? And so just thinking like, what is it that I'm benefiting from? Did I get that loan because of the color of my skin? That's a privilege. So you're not on equal par, like, oh, I'm a hard worker and you're a hard worker, we're equal. Nope, there's certain things, you know? So examine as a, as a business owner, what are the privileges that you hold? And then educate and own this to educate, what does that privilege mean? What am I still feeling? And then taking action, what Sonia and I are saying is take repeated and consistent action towards change that you believe in today, tomorrow, the next day, hopefully for the next every year of your life, right? It's like, this is what, this is a time in our life and we are living it, a very historic moment in which there is a consciousness that's been rising and we have an opportunity with our privilege to keep the conversation going. Don't just slip back into normalcy or into apathy because it's more comfortable to go hang out at that club where all the white people are. Yes. I, I think, you know, the bottom line is the do the work, right? Do the work on your own awareness. Be aware of what you're contributing to and what you're doing. Don't perform, but make real change. And I'm sure we'll talk about a lot more things in the weeks to come. So thank you all for joining us. We're going to wrap up for today and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at sonyastatman.com. See you next week.